0: Welcome to Gu Dao Jing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wong, executive coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Hello Ian!
1: Morning, David. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. How was your week?
1: It's been very busy and I've I've had to just be very conscious about trying to connect with Dow. It's been one of these weeks of just constant activity. And so it's mm-hmm. it's been um, a challenge to to really be deliberate to make time to connect with that bigger sense of the mystery.
0: Right. They say sometimes, um, you know, a good way to kind of de, uh, to unplug from the busy work is to take a walk. Yeah, I, I find it very interesting. Like, when I walk, i I mean a different space.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly how I ended up trying to fit some some walks in and it is amazing how Mm -hmm. just being in our bodies in movement in some kind of rhythm changes our psychological state and Mm -hmm. you know it when we're just sitting we can get really wrapped up in our heads and really kind of suffocate on our own thoughts but that movement right of our bodies through time and space, it's, it can really just, you know, kind of put us in a different kind of trance where even through the pace that we walk, it can change how we're thinking and how we're feeling. If we like, I'll notice if I'm out for a walk and I'm like, why am I, why am I in a rush? Like where I'm just out taking a walk, why is my body feeling like it's it's moving mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. quickly? And then I can slow that down, kind of just be more casual and then I notice my whole psychological state follows that the body kind of leads mm-hmm. the mind in that
0: way. Interesting. So it's not just, you know, physical walk is almost sounds to me like a mental mindfulness and, uh, you know, meditation at the same time. Right.
1: The- yeah. I take it for granted that because mm-hmm. of, you know, my training in psychotherapy and my own pursuits and studies that, you know, what I'm kind of constantly doing throughout the day, observing that psychological state and being mindful of it. Yeah. I, I, I do take it for granted that not everyone necessarily Engages with life that same way. So yeah, it, it is it's not just taking a walk. It is a um, It's part of the practice Yeah,
0: yeah, I remember, you know, uh, your neighborhood is quite beautiful there, you know, there's lake and you know, Pretty, you know, very historical a uh, beautiful neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you walk in? The, you know nearby where where you live or where do you? do do the walking
1: yeah i try to just weave the house and and head in a direction that that feels right mm. for the day it can change some you know which direction i go but yeah there there's lots of options from you know a, a quiet stroll through the neighborhood or mm. to like a, a a nearby park or if i want more hustle and bustle can kind of go more into some business areas, I I rarely go that direction. I see, I see.
0: Uh, so, in the in our the tradition of our podcast, I want to ask you, you know, during the past week, you know, literally or figuratively, did you have a walking the timeless way moment?
1: Yeah, I did, and it and it actually was taking a walk through. The neighborhood, oh. and you know, there's uh, lots of really kind people in the neighborhood. I think people who are socially minded and who care about people and what's going on,
0: like uh, Minnesota nice, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. very nice people, Certainly. warm people, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And it, it's not unusual but it kind of stood out because there was a big neighborhood sale so ended up walking mm-hmm. through the neighborhood a little more than I normally would and just I couldn't help but notice a lot of the the yard signs that people have up which are great i mean the the sentiments are really mm-hmm. positive and and you'll see them all over the the in in yards and and expressing different things and but kind of thinking about that on a deeper level, I'm like, why are these all here? Like what, what is driving this Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what does it, is it a symptom of something? Is it, how does it connect to maybe some bigger societal, um, either problems or mm-hmm. what does it say about the state of humanity that, that here's all of these signs, you know, is it just kind of a, a neat thing to do or, or a fun thing to do? Um, mm-hmm. You know,
0: but- what did the sign, what, what kind of, uh, do you see a variety of signs or do they having a, the same message? What, what, what are you
1: seeing? I mean, it's mainly about things about political views. Um, mm. So I would say mm. mainly political views, but then also just expressing support for different groups or or state, mm-hmm. stating what someone's political beliefs are. And, mm-hmm. you know, just just seeing them everywhere. I'm kind of, I'm just thinking. Like,
0: so, so people like feel uh, like, uh, feel... Uh, uh how would you say uh, people feel motivated or feel mm-hmm. uh obligated what, what's the kind of the uh, motivation i would say why, why do you feel people feel the need to uh you know get that that message over there you think
1: just to some extent i do mm-hmm. feel i mean it, it kind of has this tribal sense of like kind of marking territory to some extent like saying like
0: Oh, All okay. like this. Okay. This
1: neighborhood, uh-huh. it, they're okay. like tribal markings. Like if you were in the mm-hmm. in the ancient days and kind of entered uh, some small village or something, and you know maybe they have mm-hmm. some sort of symbols up that shows their affiliation with something, just to kind of like mark that territory. I see. Do you think that was
0: what they? It, consciously or intentionally think about or that's kind of all conscious because that's that's the most tricky one because if they're intentionally they want to put something there positive right they end up like being a negative to the whoever you know Mm -hmm. the recipients people who walk by Mm -hmm. you know that's problematic because i you know as an executive coach I see that similar things happening in corporations. Mm. For as you know, the corporations in the companies, uh, you know people they they're collaborative but at the same time they are competitive at the same mm. time, mm-hmm. right? Because they everybody wants to get do a good job and want to get you know get promoted or mm-hmm. noticed by their bosses. So they have lots of competitive behaviors. But Corporations also, there's a need to uh, cooperate with each each other other other. to get things done. So then, you know, the interesting what's happening is the company will put, you know, a set of core values Mm. because as a consultant, I used to work with them and put together their vision and mission and values, almost in every value statement, you know, one of them, you know, predictably has to be teamwork Mm. and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're, you're you know, sometimes I, you know I have to chuckle because, you know, if everybody is really like collaborating and thinking as one team, mm-hmm. so there's no really need to put it out there. So I was wondering yeah. whether there's some similar dynamics in what you're encountering.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, it exactly. That it starts to feel forced, and it starts to feel like. Like I'm being sold something like, you know, if this this is as real as what you're saying, you know, what, why, why does it have to make this type of appearance that, you know, mm -hmm. if, if this is in your heart, is that, why isn't that enough?
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a good question. Certainly, you know, as a recipient, you know, you know, what's going through, you know, I imagine what's going through their mind and what's going in people like is through your mind know, mm-hmm. other people who walk past by mm-hmm. might be different. I, mm-hmm. I think that kind of disconnect yeah. in itself, it's a very interesting phenomenon, I would say.
1: Yeah, because I think that's the part where then it it starts to feel more like a territorial marking than like, yeah, let me let me make you feel good. Welcome. Yeah, let me make you feel welcome. It it actually starts to feel a little more like, yeah, I'm I'm it it, it, on one side. It it does. It it could be you could look at it also as an act of aggression hmm I see, I see.
0: Well, which is uh, interesting, uh, you know, interesting transition to actually the uh, chapter uh, 18, because in this chapter, you know, we, we kind of see a message from, you know, thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, from Lao Tzu on what his observation is in his time. So maybe okay. to get started, you know maybe uh could you read the original text in chinese
1: sure uh, you know and and this one is incredibly short so mm-hmm. it won't take long da dao fei Yo ren yi zhi hui chu yu da liu qin bu Xiao xiaozi 国家混乱,
0: that's great, that's great. So let me share with one of my favorite uh, translation versions from Stephen Mitchell. Okay. Uh, when the great Tao is forgotten, goodness and piety appear. When the body's intelligence declines, cleverness and knowledge step forth. When there's no peace in the family, filial piety begins. When the country falls into chaos, patriotism is born. So that's the version.
1: Uh, Yeah, I love Stephen Mitchell's translations. I'm glad that you've kind of that one's kind of risen to the the top for for a
0: yeah, lot of our yeah. readings.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I looked at uh, several versions, and you know that's the favorite. And also, I think that w- it resonates, you know, with us because the time we are living in. So mm. uh, we'll definitely we'll talk a little bit about that uh, to make the connection between this chapter uh, and the world we are living in, but. Maybe just to anchor our discussion, uh, could you, um, what do you think? So after you read this short chapter, uh, what do you think is the kind of the overarching message? What, what does Laozi try to tell us through these few words?
1: The word that comes to mind for me is fragility that society is such a fragile thing Mm -hmm. and how it's organized can really determine the experience of life in a profound way for, for people. Mm -hmm. And that if that fragile harmony starts breaking down, Mm -hmm. it has this, ripple effect throughout human relations to where it, it fundamentally alters how people interact Mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm.
0: So if you relate what you are just observing back to the text in what, what he was saying, where can you help our listeners understand, you know, this fragility and the connection of his message?
1: Yeah, so this first sentence um, mm-hmm. or, or just the, the first part of it of, of when, when Tao is forgotten. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, e, e, even this is paradoxical because um, Tao Te Jing is, is always looked at as the, the, the constant changing of life. Mm-hmm. But Tao is constant. So there's this paradox where Tao is constant, but life can change where people forget about it. So even though it's there, it's been obscured. And when that happens, the natural order kind of breaks down and instead it gets replaced by all these other things that, that loud like human,
0: human order human. right what you're talking about the uh, society society is you know one form of human order yes would you say yeah right right yeah i i think you know the first sentence is very interesting like a faith i see different versions of translation and some translations say when dao is uh, declines mm-hmm. actually i i like the uh, the version by uh Stephen, mm-hmm. which is when it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. So the Tao is always there, yeah. right? And, and it's constant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the expression of Tao can be dynamic, but it's the Tao, the Tao as a principle is always there. But mm-hmm. it's people's forgetting about it or separated from it and replace it by, by their own thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's when problems start to happen. Would you agree? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I don't know why this metaphor came up in my mind, but it's kind of like mm-hmm. if you know beavers who make dams, and you see them just instinctually go and chew trees down and mm-hmm. dam up. I mean, they just they just do it. It just it kind of just happens. But but everything organically takes place to to meet those needs and it's almost like if you woke up one day and you recognize the the beavers weren't making their they had forgotten how to make their dams just kind of naturally following their intuition and the cycles and that sort of thing and you know we're having like planning meetings and you know, mm-hmm, doing all mm-hmm. this like chattering back and forth with each other, and like the dams not getting made, and you'd be like, "What happened, beavers? You you used to just go and make these dams, and everything was fine, and now it's like, what are you doing?"
0: You know, that's interesting. you Sometimes, you know, when I was driving, I see the you know the wire. All the birds mm. are kind of rest. Uh, you know, they are resting on a uh, on a electrical. Lying, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I was wondering, oh, whether they are getting t- together to have that planning
1: meeting.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, you have a good point. You know, like the when they act, they they lose. What 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 would happen if they lose their instinct? Yeah. But I was wondering about the humans. How come? You know, I, I think you know. I I would say they they came from the. Nature, Mm, right? The animal world. How come, at what point, they started to forget, you know, Tao, when the Tao was forgotten?
1: Well, I'm not a sociologist, but I've studied, Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly history enough to, particularly through, Mm -hmm. you know, studying Tao Te Ching because it was written in such a peculiar time Mm -hmm. And then also through studying psychology to to really get uh, a full understanding of the human condition when you're trying to talk with someone and help them understand why they're thinking the things that they're thinking or doing the things that they're doing, we have to understand the world that we evolved in. Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. to understand why the brain and the nervous human nervous system works the way that it does. And through studying all that, you you do start to have some realizations, which is that we didn't evolve in civilization. We evolved in Tao and in nature. And so we were shaped relationally our nervous system was shaped in a, in a particular way based upon that. And so it really does seem like when people started accumulating possessions, specializing knowledge, creating political mm-hmm. systems, when the leaders were no longer directly connected with the people and instead, you know, were in palaces removed and moats put up around it. All of that really started contributing to forgetting Tao and and people just completely losing touch with where they came from.
0: Mm. So you think based on your learning about human condition and history, there was a period of time almost like a turning point mm-hmm. for humanity. Yeah. Right? Before that, because it's interesting, it's not Lao who observed the people's forgetting about Tao. Mm. If you just look at other cultures, I remember reading uh, in the Western history. Of course, you know the the the. The story in the bible the mm-hmm. genesis is the paradise lost yeah so it's almost like feel like there's a union between you know adam and eve and god mm. but then sin kicked kicked in so that was a a turning point mm. for humanity and then in the uh, you know uh, greek and roman mythology they they talked about the four ages of man like the golden age, silver age, iron age, stone age, and heroic age. Mm. It's almost like very the opposite of what the Enlightenment people uh, later on, right? What we brought up, like we always believe history is like progress, right? (laughs) Right. We are marching. I remember like when I was a kid, we were taught to to sing songs. I mean, in in China, you know, like I, I think it's interesting Despite the political system, uh, the differences Mm -hmm. like communism and capitalism. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of similarity. Actually, yeah, yeah, in the time we brought up, always expecting to tomorrow is always better. Mm -hmm. You know, the best is yet to come.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, that kind of sense of progress. But if you look at, you know, a longer time horizon, you found maybe that. That may be an illusion, yeah. or at least it's cycl- cyclic. Yes. I would say, right? It's not like linear, mm-hmm. like progress. No. What do you think? I mean, that's what I. So in the traditional Western culture or Eastern culture, like Laozi, and Laozi I, is isn't the only one. You know, the in the Western culture, people talked about Paradise Lost or the, you know, the, the, the loss of the golden age. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's a, a wonderful parallel. I've never actually thought about that connection between Lao critique of kind of seeing, okay, yeah, there is these old ways and those people seem to actually have more wisdom. They seem to have more sense, if you will, about, yeah. You know what's going on in the environment and nature and that people were becoming dull and kind of oblivious to to that and substituting it with all these you know thought processes, substitutes mm-hmm. with Adam and Eve kind of the the tree of knowledge, I was always told that eating from the apple, it was a metaphor for sex. But that doesn't make sense because that seems like Mm -hmm. Victorian era interpretation of like. Right, right, right. It seems to me more about the shift into thinking that the tree of knowledge, maybe it's even like writing and like writing and language being. What kind of people started living in their heads instead of aligned with Tao?
0: You are absolutely right. I, I mean, which reminds me of this, uh, you know, popular book, The Sapiens. Oh. Right. Talk. The first chapter is the cognitive revolution. Oh, so, yeah. so eating, you know, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil maybe symbolizes the uh, emergence of human consciousness, mm-hmm. of human mind right human mind when you have that human mind you know if we're talking about this chapter uh you know it's a second sentence 智慧, right mm. so what is 智慧? cleverness and the wisdom so when that appears you have hypocrisy mm. and a sin and a, you know hypocrisy is you know part of the sin because hypocrisy is about covering up mm. so the adam and the eve they cover up their own private part mm. of their body because they feel shameful mm. they are no longer genuine and authentic mm. beings in the eyes of god so mm. that's that's i feel like there's some interesting parallels or similarities not not like they were talking with each other right but i i think there're about certain things about human experience which is shared across cultures
1: yeah it makes sense and and that wouldn't be the first time I mean, we know calculus arose at different places geo- separated significantly at, at the same time so there does seem to be a natural you know kind of movement of human society even when they're not talking to each other but But, yeah, I think it's significant to think about it as the cognitive revolution, writing, symbolic thinking, all of those things kind of became a a barrier to, well, it's how Tao became forgotten.
0: Yeah. But do you think it's inevitable then? Or is it an accident? Like... It isn't that itself is the working of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about the constant DAO, yeah. right? But DAO also is dynamic, mm-hmm. right? So I was wondering that emergence of the human cognitive es- expansion of human cognitive uh, capacity, That's the, that itself is the working of DAO in some sense.
1: Yeah, that there's because... Uh, at at the simplest level, if we look at um, Yin and yang, which mm-hmm. sim- symbolic for Taoist thought, the you know the balancing of opposites, but there's always a little bit of whatever the other thing is within that particular characteristic. so, we're looking at creation and destruction Mm -hmm. if the cognitive revolution was a destruction of this, you know, prior manifestation of, of Tao Mm -hmm. within that, there's also the seed of creating whatever the next thing is. Mm. And so, yes, even though this feels like a particularly, strange time when you know we've gone to an extreme of using our cognitions to create just human civilizations around the world that mm-hmm. is extractive it's, it's human centered with little to no concern of the impact on the ecosystem and habitats and all of the other creatures mm-hmm but within that there's the seeds of creation of whatever the next epoch or or Mm -hmm. geological era or whatever you want to call it whatever that Mm -hmm. is i mean i look at it like if you know if we go way way back in geologic time before there were microorganisms in the ocean The atmosphere, the climate, it was drastically different. Right. And the the first significant climate change was just all of these little microorganisms in the ocean that produced the environment that now we're living in. And if it hadn't been for them creating climate change we couldn't exist because this isn't earth's original climate. It was drastically different before it, it, there was this progress of time and life changed the environment that then future species were suited to and adapted to, to survive. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to preserve habitat or, be responsible um, mm-hmm. with with our power. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the point is, is that if we alter the climate, and we we are like I think that's very mm-hmm. obvious. Some life is going to adapt to that, and new species are going to arise, and a whole new ecosystem is going to come up out of that, and whatever that next creative um, period of geologic time and whatever organisms thrive within that they're going to be a product of how we changed the climate so i'm not saying that i i support it I,
0: i see i see your point i i think um that that makes sense so in other words when you look at from that kind of perspective, like long time horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, much bigger, like yeah. it's not like in quarters or <laughs> in mm-hmm. months or weeks, like we're looking at things, but really like years and thousands of years. Or millions of years. What, what what you're seeing is that, um, first of all, DAO is creative, mm-hmm. right? It's always just like what we we, we learn mm-hmm. from other chapters. It's not exhausting, right? Yeah. DAO, Yeah, it's ever, ever creating. Mm -hmm. And uh, then if you look at from that perspective, maybe we're just the little, little uh, chain, right? Right. Little link in the, in the long chains of that creation. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, our civilization built upon all the previous, right? Mm -hmm. All the way back to, you know, the Mm macro organism you talked about. And then the dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all. So we, we our civilization build upon that, and uh, and then our civilization has its own cycle, which is you know the the beginning of it, mm-hmm. the growth of it, then the, the zenith and the decline and decay of it, and some other species or you know so, something mm-hmm. in the universe, right, yeah. will come after us, adapting to you know what what we have left behind. Yes. Wow. So if we look at it that way, so what? What can that inform us? You know, what kind of mindset should we have then?
1: Well, this is where I think we we talk a lot about Lao Tzu because, of course, he 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 wrote the seminal Taoist book. But this is where I think Zhuangzi's contribution to Taoism is so useful, and we haven't got into a lot of his. -hmm. Thoughts, but his. We will, we will. Yeah,
0: right. It's very, yeah, yeah, we will someday.
1: But his is just a lot more playful and light, doesn't take it as seriously. Mm -hmm. Like Lao Tzu feels very serious to some extent. Maybe it's just me projecting on on it, but.
0: I I think there is a lot of commentaries about the, even though they both of them kind of belong to mm Taoism. Uh, but Laozi is more, like, uh, you know, some people say, you know, he there's a, f- a political philosophy mm-hmm. dimension to it mm-hmm. because when you look at the chapters, a lot of that are really the menu for the rulers, yeah. you know, for the people, right? But Zhuangzi is uh, entirely different. He's free spirit. Yeah,
1: and and that's where I think he's so Im- important because when you when you look at things in that scale and recognize, well, that is the nature of the universe that we want to make it seem like our time is the most significant time. Our, mm-hmm. our lives are the most significant lives and feel like the whole universe exists just for us. It's for our happiness. For our happiness. Right?
0: <laughs> Uh And it's
1: paradoxical because we we experience life as an individual and our lives are the most important thing that we can conceive of. It's very hard to zoom out to geological time and be like, oh, this is just, it's so, it's everything and nothing at the same time.
0: Got it. Got it. Have you heard somebody I, I remember it's probably Edhard heart uh who said, the universe is not set up to make us happy. The universe is to set up to make us evolve. Y- yes, I find it that uh, very insightful. Don't you like yeah. a lot of the struggles in life, right? Yeah. We, we struggle every day. I mean, life is is a struggle. Mm-hmm. But for, for some reason, somebody created. a I don't know whether it's called ideology or kind of way of thinking that say, mm-hmm. oh, the purpose. Oh, well, look at the uh, the Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. The the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. So that that during enlightenment suddenly become come to the fore of it. Like, say, what's the purpose of life? The purpose of life is hap- happiness, right? But if you look at it from another direction, maybe happiness comes out of the struggle, but if you just chase happiness per se and say just like catching a butterfly like sometimes i feel like a butterfly landing your hand or on your shoulder Mm -hmm. creates more joy than i'm trying to catch the butterfly
1: completely and so you know kind of connecting it back to you know the importance of these familial like when in the text when it Mm -hmm. says when the six relationships you know, these, it's talking about familial relationships are no longer right. there, um, you know, are, are no longer peaceful. Well, that's important, not because of roles, that there's some roles of like, you know, respecting this as a, you know, that some person wrote it down and, you know that's why we do it. It's that going back to that struggle, we evolved to truly, deeply, intimately depend upon the other people around us to survive each and every single day. There was no day that you could take for granted. Each day was a struggle and you struggled with Essentially, your family and and your extended family. You know, we're talking fifty to a hundred people trying to survive in nature, and if people, if that harmony wasn't there, it it wasn't just like oh that person's being disrespectful or rude, it would be like, no, we're not functioning anymore. And we all might die as a result today.
0: Right. I was wondering, uh, so first of all, the six relationships, uh, what the, it, it really refers to the father and son or, you know, mother and parent, mm-hmm. parent, son mm-hmm. relationship sibling relationship Mm -hmm. like brothers and sisters and the husband and wife Mm -hmm. relationship so those like six kind of Mm -hmm. you know when they say six it's really like three set of relationships um i was wondering when it started to have problem or you know based on your learning about history why uh, was it at a time when it was peaceful like it was very uh harmonious and then something happened that you know, there's no peace in the family.
1: Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to again, when, when people started set, settling down and mm-hmm. accumulating possessions and more individuality, less needing each other to get through the day, you know, it's like people, I have a job as a blacksmith and my sister is, you know, cleaning some aristocrats house and, we're separated now. We're not, we don't have the same goals. We might still be living together in the same house because we're working, ah. working class and we got to pay rent, but we're not cooperating with each other anymore because specialization fragmented those relationships. So everybody started going a different direction.
0: Specialization and probably... Uh, well, you, I, I remember there was a time when the whole family did the same, same thing, uh, like, say, planting mm-hmm. or, or something, mm-hmm. right? Planting, so you teach your child doing that. Mm-hmm. You are still, like, in a small unit, you are focusing on the same thing. But there must be a point in time, maybe the brother is becoming a scholar, mm-hmm. <laughs> the other person, you know, just stays in the village, mm-hmm. right? So that kind of separation. Uh, starts to happen and with mobility, because you know let's say you and your brother mine and a brother you know sometimes it's interesting that we get together you know during thanksgiving mm-hmm. or you know holidays the Chinese spring festival you know we're you know we we grew up in the from the same family, mm-hmm. but we have different trajectories in life, mm-hmm. so sometimes i I have this feeling I want to be Closer to my brother, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel I was torn because, you know, we think in different ways. Yeah. So that kind of thing I imagine happened throughout history, mm-hmm. even more and more. Let's say even you move, like I move, I, I came this country to study. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that even drives us even further with my, you know, primary elementary school classmates and my brothers.
1: Yeah, I think it, it it's a it's a clear example of how when knowledge of a political system mm-hmm. became mm-hmm. primary and you know pre civilization there wasn't some manufactured political system I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, like we were talking about the six relations, there was people in the tribe had more or less authority, but the system, there was no system other than nature. Like we're, 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 nature is the boss, if you will. And we're taking messages from the boss from nature mm. and we all have to cooperate to get what we need out of that system. Yes. Yes. Nature was the political system. It wasn't based upon thoughts, laws, things written down. It was nature has all the resources that we need. Right. And we're all working together to get what we need out of the system where what happened is an artificial or a a lot of variations of political systems were created using knowledge, using laws. um, And then everybody had to rearrange their entire way of thinking and being to get what they need out of now these contrived political systems. So, the knowledge-based political systems but substituted nature as the political system, and then everybody had to specialize to get what they needed out of it, and that fractured all of those natural relationships.
0: Very interesting. Uh, you know, in arts, I talk. You know, I remember uh, hearing things like people say, "You know, what art is a human creation, mm-hmm. right?" It can never substitute the the nature, yeah. right? Because I think there's a constant debate mm. between that, like say, is art superior than nature, mm. right? Mm. Because art, you know, it it, it comes from nature yeah. to a great extent, right? So that is one set of things I remember. I even th- thought about, you know, in ancient Greek philosophy, I. I I can't remember. Maybe that's Plato who thought about the human, let's say he thought that the poetry is inferior than the hero itself, like Homer, mm. right? So the Homer, you know, the, the epic, it's more the hero itself is much superior than a story, to talk, yeah. you know, talking about a hero. So when you're talking about all these knowledge and laws and concepts and theories, whatever human uh, cognitively they uh contrived or mm-hmm. conceptualized, mm-hmm. I think it you know, when you compare with the nature, it has its 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 adaptation, yeah. but it, it has limitations. And sometimes we'll forget, you know, we kind of start to self-congratulate mm-hmm. ourselves how you know how creative we are, mm-hmm. or how uh, like what, how clever we are. But we end up like shooting ourselves in the foot, and 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 end up like nature is still that Tao has a larger uh, effect on us than you know this little thing we create we call civilization.
1: Yeah, I've I've never seen a single painting that. Could fill me up with the same feeling as like a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise oh, or all wow. kinds of aesthetically pleasing things in nature an iceberg or a mountain peak shrouded in mist. I mean, all of those things are far more naturally inspiring than, you know, I think a painting you've got to sit there and you know, again, if you have, um, if you've been trained in art history and modern art, you can sit there and now you, you have all that cleverness to be like, Oh, well they did this because it was a reaction to the people. <laughs> right, right, and, right, And somewhat you, you've got to have a degree to make sense of it. Cause otherwise you look at it and you're like, well, that does, that looks like a five-year-old did it. And they're like, Oh no, 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 no. You, you, what you don't get is that, you know, the people before them, they were criticizing, you know, this art, and so they did it this way and it's like, OK, well, okay. Same,
0: same thing with the music. Yep. There's a whole industry of literature or art or music critique. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I was kind of intimidated when I was younger, like because I couldn't adopt the, the critique language mm-hmm. they're talking. Yeah. Like same thing about tasting the wine. Yeah, exactly. You know, pe- people like use, you know, these words mm-hmm. they make and Actually, they lose the enjoyment yes. of the wine itself. They lose the enjoyment of music and arts mm-hmm. in its more natural form, mm-hmm. and the whole industry about the critique of it. Yeah. Right? You have to use the same language. Yeah. Oh, some I remember like when people talk so knowledgeably mm-hmm. about a certain art, mm-hmm. I feel ignorant yeah. at one point, but later I really. No, that's not what the art was created for. It created for us to enjoy, right? As opposed to demonstrate, you know, you know better, you know, the art of this piece of classic music. Cleverness, Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: So I think those are, I think using art is a great way of just trying to illustrate what this chapter is getting at when you talk about Mm -hmm. the fall from... Tao into cleverness and intelligence and how it's a poor substitute that, you know, we're no longer connected with our, our, our deep humanity, our deep connection to each other. And now it's just this intellectual exercise of, of proving that we mastered mm-hmm. a certain set of words. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. they're just words.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree. I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about, you know, the second sentence, like the hypocrisy. Hmm. What's your take on that? That sentence? Like when cleverness, and knowledge appears, great hypocrisy emerges?
1: Well, I mean, I think looking at modern politics in the US is a is a perfect Example of it and I think that because they're still um well for example you, you have all these politicians who run and mm-hmm. they they put themselves out there like they're these incredibly noble people and you know how mm-hmm. high minded they are and how much they care and mm-hmm. But then people see what happens. It's like, OK, well, they there's all this talk and they say all this stuff to get your vote. And then mm. they get in there and, you know, they're immediately campaigning for the next election and asking for more money. And in the meantime, nobody's life is changing. They still can't afford health care. Wages are stagnant. Prices are skyrocketing and all of the elected officials are saying, you know, well, we care so much. And, you know, we are you know, we're we're here, we're, we're for the people. We're, you know, we care about the people and, and I think, you know, say what you will about Trump. I think that's why he appeals to so many people because he's not out there saying I'm a great person and I'm so noble and, but like, he's just, you know, whatever, like, yeah, I'm a, whatever. I mean, yes, he's obviously got a huge ego, but again, he's not pretending to be this humble, humble person, I mean, he's just, he's-
0: I see, so in this time and age, there is a value in not pretending. So wouldn't you say people support, a lot of people support for Trump, Is how deep resentfully they are toward those, the the first category of people you are talking about, the the high minded people. Because how they show contempt to those people, and then by showing support to Trump. Not to saying Trump is like, has a vision or perfect. It's just for the pure effect, pure fact that he's not trying to pretend.
1: Exactly. And, you know, he still. I mean, lies and is, mm-hmm. you know, not sincere about all kinds of stuff, but he does it in a way that's the exact opposite of how most politicians go about things. And so people find that refreshing. I mean, he's not a sincere person. I don't believe that he's right, sincere right about right, anything right. that he's saying. My point right. is that people are so sick and tired of all of the phonies that get up there and act like they care. And then they get into office and they can see the hypocrisy. It's just like perfect. Here's a, here's a perfect. It's, it's
0: a reaction. Wouldn't you say it's a reaction?
1: It's a reaction.
0: A great yeah. hypocrisy. So here, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah.
1: Let me give you the perfect example of, of hypocrite. One of the leading party leaders in the state of Minnesota. It wasn't too long ago. She was, you know, using all caps on social media, Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, dismantling the police and Mm -hmm. on and on and on. She just got carjacked at gunpoint. They beat her up, um, broke her leg, did all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And now, you know, She's in all caps talking about, we need to get these violent people off the street, you know, Mm. how much, you know, much more aggressive we need to be against criminals. (laughs) And it's Mm. like, okay, so here again, you will take this idealistic stance when it doesn't impact you, even if there's tons of people being victimized. Right. And it's, you know, it's the black community who experiences a lot of the effects of the violent crime. And so they're happy to push for this sort of thing when, you know, they think it's the popular thing to do, even if, most of the people that are impacted by it don't want it, but you know it's trending right. until it happens to them, and then all of a sudden, you know, turn on a dime and go the exact opposite route. So you, you can just see like they don't have any real sense; they're just they're empty inside, and they just do whatever suits them best in the moment. I mean, they're total hypocrites.
0: Well, they are part of the... the why is that? Is it, is it because they lose touch with reality? Yes. In other words, they live in their mind. They created yes. their mind. Yes. That mind has all the ideals like a castle. Yeah. But then one day, they hit the reality themselves. Yeah. That thing collapses. Exactly. I mean, it's a similar thing like this is just a one individual you're talking about. Think about our human species, yeah. right? You know, since the start of that cognitive revolution, mm-hmm. uh, revolution, we build lots of things in our yes. heads, right? We not only build on lots of things in our head, we manifest those things in our head into the superstructure we're building.
1: Yeah, it's what Co- we call the
0: human society, yeah. right? And it's, a so it's like a fantasy.
1: It's a total fantasy land. And that- hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and uh and uh I think part and and we're when it's not working but we pretend it's working yeah. you know how how do you define hypocrisy you know is that kind of a cover-up what, what is a, what, what is a hypocrisy it's like you say one thing you I feel like they are consistent uh, they're they consistent with themselves
1: yeah yeah they're consistent and to the point that yeah it, it's they're always delusional yeah
0: they're do, 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 delusional okay okay yeah yeah but where is the hypocrisy coming to being? like I know they're delusional, but how come there's a hypocrisy? I still don't get that piece of it
1: like why it, like why does hypocrisy exist or why are, are politicians hypocritical?
0: Well, if we're talking about these politicians, they are living in their own head. Mm-hmm. They are con- they are delusional, but they are consistent within themselves. So when they are within consistent within themselves, then it's not the hypocrisy we're talking about.
1: Yeah, if they would just come out and say, I'm just an ambitious ladder climber and everything that I do is through the lens of me getting support because i need people's votes then yeah they're not hypocritical but they don't say that
0: right i can imagine they're saying it
1: yeah but that's what it's about it's about their personal ambition and that's why they're Mm -hmm. hypocrites because they'll say anything for them to get what they want and that's where at the end of the day it's just like you know, yeah, Trump's style was completely different, but I'm under no delusion that he's interested in anything but himself and his own right, family's right. business deals and
0: right, yeah. right, right. So for the other high-minded person, their delusion lies in their even not being losing their ability to see what's really driving them. Exactly. They thought. They, they thought that the surface, service for the country and working for the ordinary people is driving them. But when you look at what they do from a an mm. outside person, right, the impact they make is just the opposite.
1: Exactly. There, there's no self-awareness. I mean, that's just where look at history again. The revolutionary, the, the people who are the most critical of the current system and talk about how evil and awful it is, when they destroy it and get into power, many times they're even worse than the people that were there before.
0: Yep, we've seen lots of examples like that.
1: Yeah. So okay. yeah, I don't trust revolutionaries. I think they're 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 probably worse than the people that are they're just they're looking for an excuse to get their hands on the levers of power so that they can run things the way that they want to they don't care about the people Mm -hmm. i see Mm -hmm. so who do you trust then
0: either or maybe in just you know, you can't really full trust anybody, Well, yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> right? You have to be skeptical yeah. all the time uh, in some way. So uh, let's wrap up, you know, the study of this chapter, you know, from mm-hmm. Lao Tzu's, you know, very brief words of wisdom. How does this chapter kind of inform us to, you know, live our lives on a daily basis, you think?
1: Yeah, going back, I mean, from, Modern psychology supports this too. Mm -hmm. We have to know what our values are and we have to try to bring them forth. And we have to have the self-awareness to know whether or not we're doing that. It's, It's a difficult thing and it's not an easy thing. And if you want to be connected with these deeper things, you have to search deeply inside yourself for them because we've all been programmed by language of our culture, of our, um, our native tongue. All of that has shaped the way that we see the world. And it is all delusional. I mean, it's a particular type of programming that we've all undergone. And so where the revolutionaries want to deconstruct the political system. I think someone who wants to be more of a Taoist, they're wanting to deconstruct their own programming and get at the heart of maybe what it is to be a human. Maybe after that, when you've fully gone through that process, or, or at least significantly gone through it, then you might have attained enough perspective that, well, going back to why Lao-, Lao Tzu wrote this book as a book on leadership, then you might be a good leader, which is basically like quit trying to impose your clever ideology on everyone and making life suck for everyone and essentially just give people a a safe container to live how they want to live and things will take care of themselves for the most part. But unfortunately, like you were saying, most of these people are so blinded by their own vain ambition. They haven't done any real deep psychological work and they're not good stewards of the political system. And I wouldn't trust them for a second to have any type of power. And so I think it starts with the internal journey and all of that deconstructing all of society's programming to really get close to something spiritual. And then when you get there, then maybe you will be a better leader and someone who might actually understand how to care for people, which is essentially leave them alone. People are generally good on their own. They don't need you to impose all this stuff on them but you know we've constructed this huge tower of babel globally and you know who knows what what it's going to look like a thousand years from now but yeah i would say it it starts with each of us doing a lot of internal work
0: very well said i i I think in the real world you know you you use the word Mm deconstruction. You know, we we, we talked about, you know, on the left, there's a lot of uh, deconstructionists, right? But when you look at what they are really trying to do, they are destructing and constructing at the same time. Mm -hmm. When they construct, they use their own thing Mm -hmm. to replace what they are deconstructing. And only when we are in Dao, when we have that mirror of Mm Dao and we look ourselves in the mirror, maybe we can minimize the chance of being delusional. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, Ian, like always, I enjoy speaking with you about, you know, the ancient wisdom, but the really lots of application in the time we're living now. And thank you. And thank you for sharing with our listeners. You know, the, uh, a lot of very, very, um, insightful thoughts and observations about the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make this podcast for you, and it's entirely listener-supported. If you find value in our discussion of DAO, please consider making a small donation at walkingthetimelessway.com. We also want to hear from you. Please write to us anytime via our website.